0: Hey, good morning, everybody. (laughs) Happy New Year. I mean, I'm surprised that you all took the time to watch this morning. I know I was up till 9.30 last night, so (laughs) it's been a rough one. Today's talk is One Body, a new way to see the human race. You know the human race, right? Those, Those things that when you go to the store around this time of year, you're like, oh, there's too many of those. This one is following too close behind me in my car. Oh, I have to go have dinner with those ones. That, that human race. Um, What I want to say today is that you are one with that human race. You, You and them and me and everybody, we are all one. And you're probably thinking, well, yeah, people say that, but what does that even mean? Well, today we're going to look at exactly what that means. What does it mean that we are all one? And the the journey begins right in the beginning of the Word with this amazing statement that it's really easy to just skip over, but oh, is almost unbelievable when you hear it. So this is in Genesis, right in the first chapter. It says, so God created Mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Mankind is you. So, just to recap, you are, for whatever it means, you're in the image of God. You're in the image of God. Oh, that's kind of a big deal. So somehow, and not just you, but... There's a plural in there, like everybody is in the image of God. And it's not just each of us individually are in the image of God, but if you took us all and looked at us all at the same time, somehow from that hole, there's an image of God. If you're going to try to understand what it would mean to be an image of God, we've got to know who God is in the first place. And this is a major bonus round because anytime time that you get to learn a little bit more about who God is, your entire life improves. You might not think much about the importance of knowing who God is, but that idea is the idea upon which everything else rests in our lives. So the more that we not… not just, okay, there might be a God that exists and you can read a few things, but knowing the nature, what's God like? Who is God as a person? The person of Jesus, what, what's He like? The more we understand that, that has this rising tide effect on the way that everything is. So, I'm going to give you a, a definition of, of who God is, and to understand how this works, you got to know that any of us because again, what's true of God is true of us because we're, as we're exploring today, we're in the image of God. Any of us are what we love. We have features and characteristics, how do we look, our mannerisms, our hobbies, but who you are on a fundamental level is a result of what you love most, what you strive for? What is the deepest desire of your heart? That's what makes us who we are. What gets you out of bed in the morning makes you who you are. So what gets, what gets God out of bed in the morning, out of His God bed? I'll show you. This is a quote that I'm, I shared with all of you last time, but it hasn't gone stale since then. It hasn't expired. It's my favorite quote of anything, anywhere. And it goes like this, divine love is the intent that everyone should be most profoundly and fully happy. We are what we love. What does God love? Divine love is the intent that everyone should be most profoundly and fully happy. So all those people that you saw when you were doing your last-minute Christmas shopping god 's intent is for each of them to be not just okay but deeply profoundly happy. you think i 'm not talking about okay yeah i 'm all right, but I have these wounds that never really healed emotional wounds, or i 've got these regrets I'm kind of stuffing down or i 'm having to compartmentalize or yeah i 'm kind of happy to be who I am, but I wish I had a different situation deeply. And profoundly and fully happy. That's the intent. That is who God is. That is what is driving God every moment. This is why when He says, love one another as I have loved you, we understand that to mean this unlimited push to care for and heal and do whatever is needed to bring about that happiness in people. That's who God is. There is an accompanying part to the love that's in each of us. Yes, who, what you love makes you who you are, but that love by itself isn't really anything. It's just a feeling. It's just an urge. It takes a mind to go with it. Yeah, I may have this desire to go and do the dishes, if we're going to choose like a really inspiring example, but if I don't know, how to do that. If I don't know, understand dish soap and I don't know what scrubbing is, those dishes aren't going to get done. Everyone has a, a um, consortium of knowledge that goes with their love and is really the partner of their love, the this, this spouse of their love. So God's got this beating heart that drives Him that we just read there, but God also has a mind or a an order or a plan that He is executing to bring about that love. So, if you were to have the mind of God like that, what would that even be like? If you could possibly take all of the thoughts that God has and all of the wisdom, the infinite intelligence that's there, could could… I don't know what the most powerful supercomputer is, but let's say you stuck them all together and Somehow they got all the data on what the mind of God is. Could they even create like a, an infographic about that or a schematic or something? How would you possibly picture the mind of God? It's, actually, it's very easy, and it's very close to home as well. This is from New Church Theology. When divine order, which is another way to say God's mind, is presented in a form, it appears as a human being. So when that love, when the knowledge necessary to make that love happens, if you were to napkin sketch it, you would, draw, you would draw you. You would draw all the people you've ever met. The human being is this divine order itself. It's not just, what are they say, a meat suit that we're wearing. We are in, in divine order. And this knowledge is going to allow us to see the human race in a new way. But before we can get there, we have to understand what it's like to see that same form, the human form, in something other than our bodies. Because this is God's divine order, so it can be anywhere. And actually, that love that drives God is constantly trying to bring things into this order. So actually, your mind is and can be more and more in the same form, in the exact same form that your body is. That just sounds weird probably, but I'm going to explain what it means. And first, I think we've got to understand what makes the human form what it is. The primary defining feature of the human form is that it is lots of things that are different, working together for a common goal. I mean, we're sort of a hodgepodge of parts. Your skull is nothing like your ligaments, which are nothing like your muscle cells, which are nothing like your DNA spool. These are very different things, just the systems of your body. Think about the nervous system and its complexity and spindly little things, versus your teeth. There's these hunks of enamel. With, sure, there's nerves deep down in there, but these things together are what make the human form. Many different things, and actually the more distinct and different they are, the better. That's what's allowed us to be as complex and as effective as we are, but united in a single goal. If I decide, well, it's about time in giving this talk that I should walk across the stage over here, I'm going to do it. Everything's buying in right now. You got the bones who are like, okay, what we've got to do is stay rigid in order for you to do this movement. We've got the muscles which say, all right, well, I've got to contract and I've got to expand. At the same time, we've got the nervous system that's like, I got to process all the input from his visual cortex so that he didn't accidentally walk off the stage and and break his leg for this example. Everything is united by purpose. They're not trying to be the same, but they're trying to get to the same place. Your mind is like that. Your mind can be like that. So, there's a spiritual equivalent, a direct spiritual equivalent to all the different stuff that's in the body within your mind. So the things that you think and feel and believe, those are in this form as well. Your spirit or your mind, I I use the term spirit and mind interchangeably because in New Church Theology, it's the same thing. The conscious part of you, if we were to solve the hard problem of consciousness, which is how do you get from the brain, which is a bunch of matter to subjective experience. And New Church Theology, it says that, look, the part of you that's conscious and awake, that's your spirit. It is spiritual. So actually, within us, there's this meeting of the physical and the spiritual. So your mind, I like using the term mind because it makes us really connect it to our daily experience. Your mind has a head. Your mind has a head. Just like in how in the body, the head is the control center. Like all of the organ, most of the organs of sense are there. If if one of these, if the ceiling starts to fall, I'm going to be protecting my head. I'm not going to use my head to try to protect my arm. It's going to be the other way around. It's really important. It is what leads. Your spirit has a head, meaning the things that you believe and think, there's some conglomerate of those that's in charge of how you live your life. So you could have somebody where you say, I'm going to I'm going to go try to talk to her and get her to see it this way and they're like, "No, she won't listen to that kind of thing." Or he he's he only responds to whatever. Because there's a certain grouping of beliefs and ideas that leads us. And it can be great. It can be a, it can be virtuous or it can be something that needs to be examined a little more, but there's a head. There's a head in there. Your mind has a chest. So in the chest, there's the heart and the lungs. And that is, the heart is like you what you feel and what you want, and the lungs are the beliefs you have that help you to get there. You think about the heart is what in your body sends this life force, the blood that allows all the cells to live, sends it all around. Well, it needs the lungs to draw in what's around it so it can distribute in the same way. We have things we want and we need to learn. If we, if we love a person, we need to know where are they? Who are they? What are they like? What kind of, when you're thinking of Christmas presents, when you're thinking of Christmas presents, you start knowing, I want to see her face when she opens something. I want her to get that feeling on Christmas morning. Then you got to go and think, like, well, maybe I'll ask her for a Christmas list, or what, what has she been talking about that she might like? That's, your, that's your, the lungs of your mind pulling in that oxygen that's needed to make it happen. Your mind has feet. We can sometimes get lost in the the trap of the idea that, well, if I'm really spiritual, if I'm really churchy, I don't do any superficial stuff. I'm always thinking about God and I'm always, I have a toga on constantly. There, There are things that are simple and sort of more external or lower that we need to have. There's creature comforts that we've got to have. There are basic, simple principles, like you, you know, you get what you give. It's not some huge, uh, theologically-infused thing, but it's a practical thing that allows me to get through life. There are those things that support the rest of our life. And just like right now, you could say, well… You know, it's really if I'm up here talking on this stage, it's my head that's really running the show, and that's what's important. If my feet gave out, well, it would be probably turn into a, a viral clip because I would go down if my feet went out. So, understanding, oh, this is not something I need to get rid of just because I have some habits that are like just don't, don't seem that grandiose. Well, they may need to support you, your feet, your feet in your mind. Arms and hands, that's the power, that's what allows us to do something. Spiritual power is the ability to help someone, to do good to someone, only through the joining of the desire to do something good and the knowledge of how to do it can you accomplish anything uh, good. So the arms and the hands in us symbolize what what parts of the things you know and believe can really get stuff done, can really... Go out and accomplish something. I feel like the eye of your mind is maybe one of the easiest examples to understand. What I'm trying to do by going through all these is get it. It's like, how could you have the human form somewhere other than the human body? So hopefully this is making some sense to you because we're going to need to use this when we start to look at the whole human race. But I think this one is really clear. You can see, Right? Your mind has, I mean, your eyes have the ability to see things. Your mind has the ability to understand things. That is like the mental version of sight. So much so that we we understand this enough that we, we talk about the two as if they were interchangeable. If I were to say something and I said, do you get it? You might say, yeah, I see. If somebody's in a cartoon and they get a good idea, a light bulb goes on. We understand that yes, there is a, there's, they're a lot like each other. So you, so you can, your understanding in your mind is like as good as the sight that your eyes experience. So you can start to see that there is a form you you could think of. My my mind, my conscious experience, or I think of it as just this sort of jumble of memories and principles that sometimes I use and I've sort of thought patterns and it just seems like it's probably just chaos, but actually it's in the same form as your body. Even the stuff that's inside your body. Like kidneys. The golden rule is a kidney. So what does a kidney do? It takes the stuff that you don't need out of you and leaves the stuff in that you do need. It filters your blood. The golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you make that part of you, it acts like a kidney. So let's say I'm walking along and I see that a kid has a lunchbox and I know there's cookies in there and I decide I want to steal that lunchbox so that I can eat it the cookies are good, and I get up to start to do it. But then I think, oh wait, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, I don't want somebody to take my cookies, so I shouldn't do that, so I won't. That concept filtered out that action. So that's not something that we do. Is not something we need in our blood. So the things that we learn, the Lord is amazingly organizing them In the same way that our body is organized. If something doesn't feel right, we will say, that sticks. There's a perception in our spirit. In, In movies, they might say, I smell a rat. I know something's not good here. There's a perception in us. When you don't really know, you can't see why something isn't right, but you can just feel it, that's like taken the milk out of the fridge, and pff, that's a few days past its expiration date. Finally, there is hearing, and the hearing of the Spirit is when we obey things. When, for example, you hear, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and you think, I'm not going to hold that at arm's length. I'm going to take that in, and I'm going to do it. And there's a little bit of a stigma in our culture against doing, like, being obedient to things. It's kind of like, well, shouldn't you be the person that, that has the ideas? I did this assessment that's called, like, the, the kinds of, six kinds of working genius, which is something you companies do to see what, what areas are you really strong in, what areas are you struggling in, and so you know how to align yourself so that you focus on your strengths instead of your weaknesses. And one of those six kinds of geniuses was the genius of enablement, that there are certain people who are really good at taking an idea that they hear from someone and turning it into action. And if you don't have those people in your organization, if it's all idea people, the whole thing falls apart. So there's a part in us that can hone that skill of learning, and doing. Your mind is in the human form. You can, you can, if you just let this concept sit with you and you start to think about, oh yeah, what, how are the thoughts and things arranged in me? I've experienced that it starts to become clear to you. That divine order that's present in your body is present in your mind as well. The things that are going on there resemble it. But it's not just within us. Actually, the entire human race can be and should be in this same form together as well. And that's what we're going to look at after this song.
1: I see trees Colours of the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of the people passing by I see friends. What a wonderful word. Thank
0: you so much. That was awesome. I love that song and that was a great rendition of it. And it so perfectly fits in to this next section. Thank you for hanging through the first section. I know it was a lot it's a lot of thinking. It may have felt like a little bit, "Mm, this is kind of dry. But to partner it with that song there, the things absolutely go together. That song is just pure love. And the idea of the human form being in everything leads us to that same pure love. Because this, and this was what really struck me about this idea and really made it real and powerful to me, because I know that people have a lot, a lot of trouble getting along these days, and it's easy to look out at the human race and say, I don't know if we have anything in common. How, how could we possibly get along? And the answer is that we get along in the human form that the human race is meant to get along the same way that the different parts of your body get along with each other. To say that we're in the image and likeness of God is not just, hey, just so you know, it's telling us the secret of how to live together, to love one another as I have loved you, as the Lord told us to. Your body is mutual interdependence. Everything in it, as we already talked about, has to work together and work selflessly for the whole. Can you imagine if the hand and the eye started to get an attitude toward each other? If you had your hand thinking, well, I'm the best thing in the body, and it looked over at the eye and it was saying, "Look at that. look at that little blob of goo up there eyeball. can't do anything. Can it lift? Go ahead. Lift something up. Every time something gets close to it, it like hides behind its eyelid. Worthless. And what if the eye looked out at the hand and said, that hand doesn't know anything. It doesn't even know that there's a saber-toothed tiger creeping up on us right now, or whatever the situation is. They need each other. They need each other, and they do different things. There are people that are like eyeballs. There are people who love to learn, and there are people who love to understand things, and there are people who love to do things and love to get their hands dirty, and those two kinds of people are different, and they're meant to be different. Again, the human form is a bunch of different stuff working together. And God has created us to all be different, but different in a way that we are better off for having each other, so that the hand is doing what it does, and the eye is doing what it does, and they need each other, and they benefit from each other. If you had the brain saying, look, at that the arm is dumb. It, it barely has any neurons in it. And the arm's saying, look at this brain. It's sitting here hogging 20% of the resources of the whole body. It can't even lift anything. Of course that's ridiculous. Of course that's ridiculous because you can't compare those things. They both need to be doing what they're doing. That's how it is with people. That's how it is with people. We, there are people who need to be how they are. There are people who need to be how they are in order to make the whole thing work. Imagine if you didn't have either. There's nothing to it. Bones. What do we call somebody if we feel like they won't, they won't change? We say, look at that bonehead over there. You could be if you were, let's say you were a, a kind of person who's very flexible, and you're very happy to change. You could say, what is wrong with this person? What's wrong with my uncle so-and-so? He, like, he absolutely won't listen to new ideas. He doesn't change. Well, if the bones bent, that would be it. I mean, we, we would be a pile on the ground. Amazingly, and, and beautifully, and poetically, it is the flexible and the inflexible working together that allows movement within the human form, which is the form of God. The bones need to be rigid and stiff, and the ligaments and tendons need to be flexible. If either wasn't what they were, motion would be impossible. So rather than look out and say, nobody should change, because I don't change, nobody should, should kind of break with tradition or look over and say, everybody should break with tradition. That's not the way it works. The people are like they are because God is miraculously bringing us all into service and love with each other. If you think about a stem cell versus a tooth and the difference there. They need each other. They could, we, we're teeth. We just chew things, and that's what we do, and, and you have something to show for it, and the stem cell's like, well, what can we be? We can go over here and do this and do that. Those are both within the form of, of God. This is both within the divine design and all that it leads to. And I think that we get so divided over issues where we say, look, this person believes this and I know that that's not right, so, so therefore they're evil. Think about from a human body perspective about the difference in the way that the lining of your gut and your immune system would see bacteria. So, if you don't know, there's a bunch of bacteria that live in your belly, and they're supposed to be there because if you didn't have them, you couldn't digest your food right and it would be very difficult to survive. So people who are there interacting with bacteria all day might say, this is great, this is great, that bacteria are so good. Why is the immune system attacking bacteria that come into the body? Let them all in, let them all in. And the immune system is saying, strep throat, we've got to stop that. Why is the gut allowing all these bacteria to be here? Who's right? Which one is right? they're both right. Both of them are right. Each one knows something that the other doesn't know, and the way to health is to balance both of them, because the actual problem is nuanced and it's complex. Certain bacteria are helpful in certain quantities. Certain are harmful in certain quantities. They have to talk to each other. They have to know what is going on with each other in order for the whole to work. So when we see other people that we feel like, what what is with them? How can you? I don't identify with that mindset at all. Instead of thinking well, they're just not part of humanity, they're, they're just nothing. They're, they, even if they they may have lost their way a bit, ultimately we're one. They they are doing something that's important. We're doing something that's important, and we need to get to know what are they saying, why are they thinking what they're thinking, and ultimately we're going to form some kind of unity that works together in this greatest form of order, which is the human form which God is calling us into. So, we're going to look a little more at how we can use this as a tool to overcome resentments and difficulties that we have with each other after this next song.
2: Imagine what tomorrow would bring if we all sing one. One song of peace, one song to make our life troubles cease. Imagine what tomorrow would bring. I said, Imagine what tomorrow would bring if we are sing your sake one
0: Yeah, thank you everybody for the support you've given New Church Live, and thank you again to the band for that great, inspiring song. We all sing one song. How do we all sing one song? We know that's the right thing to do, but actually getting there to do it can be really difficult. So in this section, I thought, well, what if, can, we, can we figure out how we navigate this divided, upset world through this principle? So it's going to be try to step around landmines and see if we can come out with something that's going to allow us to, to better keep that divine intent in our heart as we go about this. And so, I want to talk about DNA. So, what is DNA? It's, it's really a little picture of the whole. So in the human body, every cell has in it the instructions for the entire body, amazingly coiled up in this double helix form in the, the nucleolus of the cell. I think it's there. Every single cell has that. So they know, in, in whatever way a cell can know something, what the hole is supposed to look like. We don't really have that as, as human beings these days, do we? I think that you have people who have an idea of, this is the way society should look, and we need these things implemented in it. There's other people that say, no, those, those things are bad for society. We need these things instead, which these people say, no, that's bad. I don't think we really have intellectual clarity on that. We don't know. We don't know what it is we're trying to make. And that's why you can have people so at odds with each other. And I'm not going to be able to stand up here and solve those problems. I'm not going to be able to make a couple of clever arguments, so now everyone says, we all agree, we are looking for the same vision for society. But there is what I would call the equivalent of emotional DNA, that there is a way that we can be one even if we disagree about things. So in this next slide, it's going to be a little intense to look at, but when I drive around, I notice that people have signs in their yard. These are all the signs that I drive around, and I've put as many different kinds here as possible so that everyone will be offended to some extent. And this is kind of what we do now. I think that the signs era sort of really kicked off in 2016, where we stick signs in the front yard and we say, this is who I am, and you drive by and say, well, I don't like those people. I like them. I don't like them. These are my people, these are your people. And we sort of think, well, you can group the world into who has the right signs and who has the wrong signs in their front yard. what sign you have doesn't matter as much as why you have the sign there. What ideas you believe in do not matter as much for your participation in the human body, the grand body, as why you have it there. Because really, ultimately, behind all of these signs that we have, there are just two signs. There are just two signs. And these two signs are, do I believe the divine intent that everyone should be most profoundly and fully happy? Am I trying to let God bring that into the world through me? Or, fundamentally, and I would say, you know, we we switch which signs we're working from, do I believe that other people are less important than me? Am I the center of the universe? That's That's emotionally the difference. Because if you're coming from trying to live your life based on the belief that is the divine intent, which is that everyone should be most fully and profoundly happy, that is the drive toward the oneness of humanity. And I bet that there's people that have the signs you don't like in their yard, but they have that in their heart. They, they really think, ultimately, what they're putting into the world is leading toward everyone caring for everyone. And there's probably people that have the signs that you do like in their yard, but they're doing it not out of love for everyone. They're just doing it out of like, ah, we've got this game we can play. That's the team I don't like, and that's them. I don't think we're just going to be able to wave a wand and get rid of all the ideas that, that matter and, and that divide and, and unite us. But if we start to look for and understand that I, I may not know, just because you have those ideas, ultimately, if, we ha- if we're both trying to move toward that love for all, we're part of the same body. We're part of the same body. So when you see somebody that's got that opposite, instead of saying, well, they're, they're nothing. It may be that, oh yeah, they're, I'm more of an eye person and they're more of a f- femur. Is that the big bone And the, they're more of a femur. They're a little, little more rigid or something. Um, instead of saying, get those people out of here, we say, well, um, what can I learn from them? And if the femur's got a problem, if that part of the body has got some wrong ideas in it, how do we help them get back to health instead of how do we wipe them out? Because ultimately, we're here with everyone for a purpose, and God is seeing us in this form. This has, got, this has absolutely changed the way that I look at people. Instead of saying, like, "Oh yeah, what's... Uh, I think yeah. What, where are they? I just just letting my mind ponder that. Where where could they be in the body? What what function are they performing? Are they doing the same thing for the human race that the foot does, or the kidneys do, or this? You all automatically have to have that assumption that they're part of some whole with me, and they they can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that they can't do, and we are destined to work interdependent, interdependently and completely with each other in the form that the Lord is asking us for. The human is from God, and it is in us, in our minds, and in the entire human race. When God came into the world, I love this quote from… this is from John 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is this divine order itself, the greatest knowledge that exists. What happens if that were to come down and manifest as something, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? It's talking about Jesus Christ, which is a person who can be sitting in front of you, and you can hug, and He can teach you things. That humanity is at the core of life. And so, we can look to it. You think, like, where's God? Why does not He tell us what to do? He's showing you everything you need. Like, you're sitting in it. You're wearing it. This is part. This is the Word made flesh. So, we can use it. We can respect it in ourselves. We can use it to help us understand how to get along with each other. That quote that I shared with you at the beginning about the divine order being presented in a form, there's a second part to it, When divine order is presented in a form, it appears as a human being, because the Lord, from whom it comes, is the only human. We're we're in the image and likeness of God, not the other way around. So, the reason that God is the only human is because only God is really motivated deep down by this desire to make everyone most fully and profoundly happy, a loving Everybody. And the more that we come to embody that and accept that and do it, the more and more human we become. And the more that everybody in the human race does that, the more that we will, and this is something we can trust, get along. We will be able to get along like the human body does, which doesn't mean everyone's going to become the same doesn't mean everybody's happiness is going to be the same, the happiness that God is looking to give. Not everyone's going to have the same life, but what is going to unite us is this desire for everything to be good and then us more and more understanding the truth as it comes, because that that is written into this, this plan as well. I'm not trying to say, there's no problems. There's nothing good or bad. Let everyone do what they want to do. Sure, the body, like as soon as you have any cell that says, well, instead of... Doing what the body needs me to do, I'm just going to start reproducing. That's cancer. Sure, there's all kinds of rules and regulations, things that need to happen and not happen for in order for the body to work great. Yep, for sure. And we got to continue to sort those out. This is why we come to church and try to learn from the Word. What is God asking us to do as human beings? What is the right way and the good way and the just way to live? But at the same time, understanding that 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 love is what pulls us in. If you don't have that right, if you don't have the love for the whole, you're never going to get there through, through the ideas around it. So I hope that we can take that out into society and to recognize the, the kinship we have with everyone and, and the end point we're trying to get to, which is that everyone has a place they fit, and that ultimately we need each other to be in the places that they are. And God is the soul and the driving force in the body. So the more that we focus on the only human, the more human we can all become. And in the human, in the human form is, is happiness and heaven and everything that we're looking for. So let's, um, let's thank God for that, the only human. I'm going I'm to say the prayer here. If you'd like to say it along, you're welcome. If you'd like to give a silent prayer in your heart, but just no, even, even in your heart, every, everything about you reflects the divine. And how it is. It's the Lord can be speaking to you through the very way in which you are made. It's not just coincidental that we're in the human form. This is part of how God reaches us. This is why we, when we, in this prayer, we refer to God in, in human ways. We talk about a, a father. So, let's take a moment to turn, turn our attention to the, to the human. Our Father Every bit of that is teaching us how to live like a human being. Every part of that is part of the, the DNA on what it is to be a human and, and be part of this amazing thing that God is trying to build. So thank you, fellow, fellow human beings, for, for being here today. And hopefully we can take this out into the world and make the world more and more human.
1: Find something that we both agree on Something we both can do Before I go to turn my hearing aid off I need to work things out with you If I could start with a joke or two Get a smile to come out of you Give you all that I've got to give So we can sing a song like the angels did, oh, I hope you feel this way, somebody feel this way, it's time to make a play, cause if we can't act like in heaven, then we might not know that we have one, we have one. We have one It might not be the most perfect place there is But think about what we will tell our kids When they have a hundred reasons Shouldn't come between us Tell me how could someone not really get with this Come get with this I hope you feel this way Somebody feel this way We've got to make a change Cuz if we can act like we're in heaven Then we might not know that we have one If you can feel it I think maybe we should hurry So that we can grow What's going on, Lord? What's going on? Somebody feel this way. We've got to find a way, cause if we can act like in heaven, then we might know not that we have one. Thank you. Happy New Year, everybody.